Open the Word of God this morning with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for an opening passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. What a blessed privilege to be in the house of the Lord with inspiration from the Almighty in your laps. The complete revelation of God sufficient to make the man of God perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Every word of God is pure, and man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We're greatly blessed and privileged. We can give the Lord the next four hours. You'll never have these four hours again. This is the most important four hours out of the 168 in a week. And we want to give him our best. I read to you the first four verses of the Apostle Paul to a church that he founded and spent the first several years with that church as their pastor in the city of Corinth, Achaia, Greece. I read the first four verses as he warns them about the danger of the false teachers that they had allowed to even come near that congregation. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Amen and amen. Amen. There is a real threat, and I want to take just a couple of minutes by way of introduction this morning to deal with these first four verses. Verse 1, would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly. The folly is Paul having to boast about himself, which is not the ordinary course of a minister, but needed here because this church was criticizing Paul and allowing teachers that criticize Paul So he boasted a little bit to show his superiority to all their false teachers. That's why it's called folly in verse 1. Verse 2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Good ministers are jealous over their congregation, soul by soul. Jealous. Very protective and very angry against any threat to steal their souls or minds or hearts away from Jesus Christ. A good minister wants to protect you for Jesus Christ's glory and honor and your faithfulness to him. They want to preserve you in pure doctrine, lest you be led astray so that your worship is no longer pleasing to God because of it being an error. So that's verse 2. Paul was jealous. If Paul was jealous, I should be jealous. If Paul was afraid, I should be afraid. And so we are. The warning is sober and serious. I have espoused you to one husband. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We want to be as pure as possible. Every single one of us, we meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus, the efforts of repetition, reminding, and exhortation, and pressing, and warning are to keep us that way. Right. And so more today, out of John chapter 7, verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, 
So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul feared for the doctrinal integrity of the Corinthian church because of false teachers. Paul feared for the doctrinal integrity of the Corinthian church because of their vulnerability to false teachers. Paul feared for the doctrinal integrity of the Corinthian church because of Satan's efforts behind those false teachers. False doctrine corrupts away from the truth so that our minds are messed up and our minds are twisted and led away from right thinking to wrong thinking, though that wrong thinking is put under the best of terms, just like Satan did it in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Satan was able to present that fruit to Eve and mess her up three different ways. It looked like it would be a good tasting fruit. It looked like it was beautiful, and it looked like it just might make her wise like God. And so by those three means, she partook of it by deception. And so as Satan deceived her by coloring sin and by coloring false doctrine and by coloring a lie against the truth in pretty garb, she fell for it. And so we need to be afraid as well. Satan has warred against truth since the beginning. God said, thou shalt surely die. Satan said, thou shalt not surely die. The revised version of Satan had one word added to it, and that was the word not, and it totally changed the doctrine and totally affected the entire human race of 70 billion souls for the last 6,000 years and all of eternity to come in the future. Mind control is a minister's responsibility. Mind control is the Bible's goal. In, in controlling our minds to think God's thoughts. You may have heard the expression sometime, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. We want to ask God to do that for us. Amen. We want His opinion and for Him to give it to us. Jam it right inside us and force us to go in the way of His commandments. But the Bible says in chapter 10, just one chapter back in verses 4 through 6, that ministers are to make war against their hearers In verse 5, to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's the goal this morning, is to get all of our thinking to be thinking God's way, the, the true way, the right way, true doctrine, correct doctrine. But Satan is against that, wanting to lead us astray in any way that he can to false doctrine, false thinking. Deception is subtle, so it's by beguiling. Notice, the devil didn't come to to Eve and say, how would you like to die and go to hell and all of your children with you? The devil doesn't do that. The devil came, like I already said, and beguiled her. And so we can be beguiled. Our children can be beguiled. They can be tricked. They can be deceived. They can be seduced. They can be enticed by false religion. And so today is going to be against false religion because of John 7. The danger at Corinth was adding to the finished work of Christ. There were Jewish Jewish legalists there as there were in the churches of the New Testament. And so Paul was against them. We don't want to let anyone add anything to the finished work of Christ. When he said it is finished, it was finished. When he sat down at the right hand of God, it was because there was nothing else to do. He promised he wouldn't lose a single one of them, and he won't. The result, if you add anything to the finished work of Christ, makes the work of Christ of none effect. 
Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, and the result is to fall from the proper understanding of grace. Ye are fallen from grace. Paul said in Galatians 5, 4, though they were still eternally saved, though their names were still in the book of life and they were still going to go to heaven, they had fallen from the proper understanding of grace by false doctrine. What a mess to think that you have to do something else to add to the finished work of Christ to guarantee your salvation. Verse 4, here's the fear, here's the danger. If he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, if anyone preaches a different Jesus than the one I preach to you, If you hear about a different Holy Spirit than the one I brought to Corinth, or if you hear another gospel, which you didn't get from me, I'm afraid that you just might listen to such a preacher, is the warning and the fear that the apostle had. It's exposure to to an altered Jesus. It's exposure to an altered spirit. It's exposure to an altered gospel. That is the threat. That is the danger. And it didn't even exist in Corinth compared to how it exists in our lives. We live in a city of Jesus. We live in a state of Jesus. We live in the buckle of the Bible belt. It's all around us. But we cannot be deceived. This was the church of God in John chapter 7 that rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he might be that prophet. He might be the Christ. No, he can't be the Christ. He's from Galilee instead of Bethlehem. And they were so ignorant and confused about the true Lord Jesus Christ And you are not because you read Matthew 2 last night and know every detail. There's two levels of error, brethren. There's those that hate Jesus and there's those that love the wrong Jesus. Do you understand that? They're both wrong. They're both different errors, different kinds of errors. If someone comes to us and says, I want to help you hate Jesus, that's not very effective. But if someone comes to us and talks about how much they love Jesus and how much they want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and how much they love the gospel, but it's another gospel, another spirit, and another Jesus, that's just as bad. Because it leads us away from the true Jesus Christ spirit and gospel of the Bible. When we think of another Jesus, the Roman Catholic Jesus is entirely different from the Bible Jesus. So is the JW Jesus. So is every Jesus that comes from the daughters of the Mother Church of Rome. So is the false Jesus of the Arminians. How about the spirit of the charismatics today? That isn't the Holy Spirit of God. The charismatics don't know the spirit of the living God. They have a man-made, Benny Hinn, made-up spirit that's been active since 1901, New Year's Day, and wasn't active before that. All you've got to do is read about the first, second, and third, and fourth waves of the charismatic movement to find out that they all know that they all began 117 years ago. That's not the spirit of Jesus Christ that was active on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And the gospel of the Arminians is not good news, it's bad news. Because God loved the whole world, not a single one accepted, most of them he's going to send to hell because he loves them so much. That's That's not good news, that's terrible news. Now we have in this city, the Bob Jones University and its related schools, and we have Chick fil A restaurants. And I just want to remind everyone that when you go to either one of those two institutions, you are exposing yourself to another Jesus spirit and gospel. So be careful. So be warned. It doesn't matter that they're zealous. Zeal doesn't prove anything. The prophets of Baal are zealous. Mormon missionary boys and girls are far more zealous than anyone you'll ever meet at Bob Jones University. 
Mormon missionary boys and girls for two years of their lives, between 18 and 20, after they graduate from high school, at their own expense, go throughout the world, learn another language, and hand out Mormon literature to people that hate Mormons every day of their lives. They wear navy blue ties and navy blue plants and, dri and drive bicycles and wear white shirts. And they're seen in every city of the world. And they do it at their own expense for two years. That's more zealous than the kids you go to school with at Bob Jones. That's more zealous than the ones you go to work with at Chick-fil-A. Those ones at Chick-fil-A are making money. Why aren't they in Tokyo spending money? So that they can hand out Mormon literature of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. There's no saints nor Jesus Christ in the church. That's a, the exact threat of this verse is all around us in Greenville, South Carolina. They add to the finished work of Christ and make the work of Christ of none effect because they say all the ones, out of all the ones that Jesus died for, the vast majority end up in hell suffering for their own sins. Now, did Jesus pay for their sins or not? That's a false gospel. God demands true worship. We learned that in John 4. God cares about details. We learned that throughout the Bible. This counterfeit is satanic. Remember, in these four verses, Paul said, I fear, lest by any means, as Satan beguiled Eve through his subtlety, your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. But let me add to that. Look at verse 12. Let me read four verses and then pray. But what I do, this is his foolishness. This is his folly. This is his boasting and why he's doing it. But what I do, that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles. In Corinth, such are false apostles. Do we have an apostle in this city that thinks he's an apostle, full of the Holy Ghost? What's his name? Ron Carpenter. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel... For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. This is the word of God. This is the warning. This should make John 7 and the last 14 verses of it very important to us. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before thy feet. We bow our hearts and our minds and beg thee to give us thy opinion, to fill us with right thinking, to open the word of God to us that we might behold wondrous things out of it, that we would be convicted by the power of the Holy Ghost to obey the things that you show us from your word. Heavenly Father, we are in the midst of another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. Save us. Save our children. Let them understand the difference between the true Jesus and a false Jesus as measured by doctrine. Not by graciousness, not by sweetness, not by singing, not by saying the name, but by the pure apostolic doctrine according to your word. And let us learn that today and have it reinforced today from John chapter 7. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of the Spirit and the Word. We're thankful that young Elihu was able to stand up to the four wisest men on earth and say that great men are not always wise. Able to stand up and say, there is a spirit in man that giveth him understanding. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit 
your presence in us, with us today, to open the pages of Scripture and to be the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he was born in Bethlehem of Judea. We know that he went to Egypt. We know that you called your son out of Egypt, and we know that he went and grew up in Nazareth, and they missed both counts that came in front of Nazareth. We thank you, Heavenly Father. You have inspired a book that is in our laps that we can so easily buy, so easily read in our language with the words of the living God preserved for us by your Spirit. Feed us those words this day. Fill us with strength and conviction and power to live out the gospel of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the efforts today, Heavenly Father, to preserve this church, a chaste virgin of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Your Son deserves nothing but the purest, most chaste virgin, unspotted, untouched, unwrinkled, without blemish, without blame before Him. Lord, help us to that end. Heavenly Father, blessed God, I pray for all your servants, sincere and called by the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the world. I pray for the strict and particular Baptists of England and Australia. I pray for the primitive Baptists of America, the Reformed Baptists of the world, the Landmark Baptists, the Sovereign Grace Baptists, the Founders segment, segment of the Southern Baptists. And I pray for every independent church without a name or attachment to any denomination or association where the man of God will preach the word of God faithfully today, that you'll bless them. And Heavenly Father, for those ministers in Malaysia, in the Philippines, and Central Asia, and Africa, we pray for them today. Amen. That you'll give them special strength. And the word of the Lord will have free course and be glorified. And your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, lifted up and highly exalted. Yes. Father, we thank you for America. We pray for America. We thank you for your daily mercies for, toward us. And they're not mere mercies. They're abundant, tender, loving kindnesses. Amen. And we thank Thee for Thy wonderful favors toward us. Yes. We thank Thee for the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, and the hope of eternal life. We thank Thee for the Word of God and the understanding You've given us of it. What we don't understand, show it to us. What we understand and we're not obeying, convict us. O oh Lord, be with us now. Draw nigh to us as we draw nigh to Thee. Let us be as has just been prayed in the back room. Us to be of one heart, one mind, and one mouth, glorifying thee and thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.